0: The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to How Bitches Are Made, the podcast. I'm your host Rachel Melvin thanks for joining us guys if this is your first listen, be sure to check out our introductory mini which gives you a brief overview of this podcast and introduces you to the cycle of how a bitch is made if you're a returning listener welcome back bitch let's continue on our journey shall we with this week's story the following is a true story as sad as that is for me to admit Names have been changed to protect both the innocent and the anything but. Chapter six, the shit end of the stick. I'm lucky to be able to call myself a working actor, especially since most of the year, I'm not working at all. To most people, that might sound like heaven, but to anyone unfortunate enough to find themselves at the mercy of unemployment, it can be a certain kind of hell. Before I started writing, I used to crave something, anything, to take my mind off how utterly bored I'd become, which explains why I spend so much time with my friends and their children, and why I no longer need any other kind of birth control to keep me from having any of my own. One day, I joined my friend Lauren for a trip to the park with her son Julian and daughter Abigail. It started out like every other morning. Lauren trying to find an effective way to assert herself as the boss, and her kids reminding everyone but her that they were really the ones in charge. Now, I've made it a point of mine to bite my lip in the presence of parents, mostly because I'm not one myself. So anything that I say, regardless of right or wrong, has little to no credibility and also because I live in Los Angeles, a city where children successfully sue their parents for a light spanking in the name of child abuse, and where I'm sure lecturing from a stranger is no doubt considered, in the very least, harassment. The minute we pulled into a parking space at Pan Pacific Park, Julian was out of the car and fashioning a stick as a lightsaber. Julian, stay on the sidewalk, please. Hey, Rachel, can you grab the diaper bag for me? It's behind your seat. Sure. While Lauren removed Abigail from the car seat behind her, I opened my door to retrieve the diaper bag as requested. Once in hand, I threw it over my shoulder, closing the door behind me, and turned to where I assumed Julian would still be engaged in an epic battle with an invisible Darth Vader. He wasn't. Instead, he had traded in that stick for the wood between his legs. I watched as Julian directed a steady stream of piss onto the base of the sign displaying the park rules in front of him. The restriction of public urination may not have been specified, but I was pretty sure it was a no-no. Or in L.A., at least frowned upon. Um, should you be doing that? Mom says if animals can go outside, so can I. Humans are animals too, you know. He barely glanced over his shoulder as he casually shared this information with me. I couldn't help but notice a hint of pride as he showed off an education even he himself seemed to know was impressive for his age. I took a few steps back to disassociate. After all, I only lived just up the street. Though I may have been concerned with other people's judgments and opinions, I knew Lauren wasn't, evident by the fact she still openly breastfed her son in public, despite the fact he was old enough to ask for it. That's why once she set Abigail down on the grass beside her midstream brother without any reaction whatsoever, I wasn't particularly surprised. I was, however, shocked by what happened once her daughter tried to follow suit. Abigail, no! We do not take our clothes off in public. But if animals do it, so can I. No, sweetie, you cannot. But Julian does it. That's because Julian's a boy, sweetie your girl. Girls have different rules. Come on, let's go find your bathroom. As mad as I was at my friend for instilling such a horrible double standard in her children, I couldn't help but notice she was only teaching them the same lessons that had been bestowed upon her. From the very beginning, girls are treated differently. While one half of the world's population has always been given free reign to whip their dicks out whenever and wherever they please, the other has always been hard-pressed to cover it all up. While girls get the message, be ashamed of your body, apologize incessantly, the message boys receive is, the world is your oyster, bro. No wonder women are so fucked. And speaking of fucked, Xander Alexander was another actor I briefly dated in my early 20s. He was cute and aloof and hailed from a southern state, which somehow automatically makes him charming. Like Billy, who actually came after Xander, literally and metaphorically, He reminded me of a superhero, without any real power at all, of course, with the obvious exception of the one he had over me. Despite the fact he reminded me of Clark Kent, though, he was nothing more than a fuck toy, which should have been obvious given the fact his mattress lived directly on the floor, and he walked around without a shirt on, enough to make me question whether or not he even owned any. But I, too, was aloof, which is a kind way to describe a sweet girl you'd otherwise call oblivious. If only you didn't feel so sorry for her. I actually believed that Xander was capable of being my husband one day. For no other reason than he was good-looking and showed an interest in me. So naturally, I immediately started catering to his every need and doting on him like a devoted 1950s housewife. All with the hope he'd see a similar future in me, of course. But judging by what happened the first time we slept together, it was clear he did not. It started out like every other sexual encounter in your 20s. Cheap booze and banter and speed stripping, immediately followed by some light foreplay before he motioned to go down on me. Now, call me old fashioned, but I tend to think that having someone's face down directly in your immediate puss is a bit more intimate of a gesture than having their dick blindly poking around inside of you. That's why I'm usually pretty uncomfortable having oral sex with someone I barely know. But don't worry. I make sure to let each of them know, in the sexiest way possible, exactly why that is. You know what? Um, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm sort of in between waxes right now. It, it's, it's not bad or anything. I mean, the hair's not even thick enough to rip out of the follicle yet. It's just... I'm, I'm sorry if the situation's like a little hairy. Normally I look like a prepubescent child. Okay. Uh, pineapple's not in season. It's just, it's harder to find, and then it's more expensive when you do, and since I don't have a job, I'm really trying to save money. Sorry, I just, I hope it still tastes okay. Okay. You know what? Why don't I just go down on you? Is that cool? Fuck yeah, it's cool. Okay. After he couldn't take it anymore, Xander pulled me up onto his dick and we started to fuck. It was a pretty enjoyable experience for me at first, until we ended up at the theater. You see, shortly after I began writing him, his hand began riding up my thigh. I didn't think much of it at first, because hey, whenever the two parts are at play, you tend to lose track of your limbs. Your body becomes a house band playing with weird instruments you didn't even know you owned, let alone made a sound. Inexplicable and embarrassing words fly out of your mouth without your knowledge. People just get weird. But this was different. His hand had a trajectory. A dedicated flight path set to a destination I didn't even know existed at the time. Typically, when you travel with a partner, you usually talk about where you'd like to go together first. I was not given that luxury, and I certainly hadn't packed whatever I needed to be prepared for it either. That's why, when Xander inserted his finger directly into my asshole and started wiggling it around like a goddamn finger puppet, I had no idea how to react. Xander, on the other hand, had seemingly rehearsed. He was way too into the show to realize one of his actors had stopped performing. I looked down at him, frozen in horror. What the fuck was going to happen when he pulled that thing out? Wherever I had been in the process of orgasming, I was now completely distracted, panicking, and desperately trying to recall whenever it was I shat last. The one thing I did know was that it was a lot more recent than whenever Xander had last cut his nails. My eyes darted around the room, frantic and afraid. But naturally, the minute Xander opened his eyes and caught mine... I plastered on a fake smile and pretended to enjoy whatever it was he thought he was doing. God forbid I distract him. Though, to be honest, I'm not sure too much would have. (coughs) He came seconds later and collapsed on the bed beside me, immediately reaching for a roll of toilet paper that was conveniently positioned beside him near the mattress on the floor. He ripped off a piece and wiped off his finger before discarding it in my direction. I was mortified and unsatisfied, But, luckily, it seemed as though Xander was at least willing to remedy that. Did you come? No. Really? That sucks. Then again, maybe not. Look, I'm fucking starving. Uh, What do you say you and I head down to the kitchen and and you make me some food or something like that? Um, I'll meet you down there? Okay. All right. Xander strolled out of his bedroom, butt naked, and I stared after him, never wanting to cover myself up more. Nonetheless, I was desperate to keep him liking me, so I swallowed my discomfort and my words and after flushing out my urinary tract in the bathroom, eagerly trotted off to meet him in the kitchen. By the time I got there, Xander was still naked and eating a yogurt as if he were loading up on carbs after a strenuous workout. He was on the phone with the talent agent we both shared and seemed casually relaxed in complete juxtaposition to the extreme enthusiasm I heard from her on the other end. After a few seconds, he hung up the phone and extended his arms out toward me. At first, I thought he was coming to embrace me, but as it turned out, I was just standing in the way of the trash can. He tossed his empty yogurt container and used the spoon he was still holding to punctuate the following words. Remember the other week, how you spent the entire day helping me with that audition? Dude, I literally just got off the phone with my agent and I booked it. Really? Fucking really. So, here's the thing, um... I kind of think we should probably stop seeing each other. Um, I really want to be single, kind of going into this. You understand, right? Totally. (laughs) You are the fucking best. Best is the fucking worst. The thing is, when boys are raised the complete opposite way of girls, without an emphasis on the importance of following the rules or being liked, they're unapologetically free to be selfish. Do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it, and in any manner they choose. That's why I have men waving to me from the next lane over on the 101, trying to get me to pass the time while traffic dies down by sucking their dick on the side of the road. And why I politely decline with an apologetic wave every time. Yep, every time. It's also why I've often found myself in so many sexual situations and makeshift relationships exactly like the one with Xander over so many years. That proverbial first seed is to blame for everything. It never occurred to me before that day at the park, just how much the way we raise our children ultimately affects the society we experience as adults. And I can't help but wonder what our world might look like for women if we were given that same level playing field as little girls. Welcome back, bitches, to episode six, The Shit End of the Stick. My friends all told me, only you would think to put children in the same story as having a guy's finger go up your ass. Yep, that is classic me. (laughs) Last week, we discussed what happens when you try to act like a man in a man's world, and this week, we're going to take a look at why it's even a man's world to begin with and how we can try to make the playing field a little more level. Now, as a society, we're harder on women than we are on men. And it begins with the different standards we're held to as little boys and girls. We talked about the difference in how we're raised in episode one a bit. And you can really see that playing out in something as seemingly small and insignificant as peeing outside. But it actually carries a fairly big message. You're all familiar with the phrases... Sugar, spice, and all things nice, which applies to girls. And then you've heard the phrase, boys will be boys, which obviously is applicable to boys. By now we know how this creates problems for us in the adult world, and you can see that playing out in the story I've just shared with you in the bedroom. Girls don't learn to take initiative or speak up. In fact, as you can see from the peeing example, we're discouraged from doing that. Instead, they learn to accommodate and submit and be ashamed of our bodies and apologize for our bodies. And then men sit there and wonder why we're so neurotic and in our heads all the time. This is why. Because since a very tiny age, we've been fucked, (laughs) essentially. And that gets in the way of actually getting fucked properly. I don't know how many orgasms I missed out on because I was worried about how I tasted or smelled or looked. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Do guys sit there and worry as much about their dicks? And then I sit there and think, God, when I'm going down on a guy, yeah, it's not the greatest fucking experience. Their cum doesn't always taste good. But guess what? Am I saying anything? Am I stopping? Am I complaining? No, I'm doing it anyway. So why can't we be more like that when they are doing it to us? When it comes to shaping my standards and boundaries, I've really looked to how men live their lives and tried to follow in their example. I've always felt like if men do what they want, then I should be able to do what I want. But it's really hard because, again, it's reprogramming. It's unlearning what's been ingrained in us. The first version of How Bitches Are Made was in a script, and I eventually made a little short of it. And this is the episode that is the adaptation of that short in podcast form. And what was really cool about the short is I went into this alternate reality where you got to see me in the bedroom where if I had been raised like a man, how I would have handled that situation differently. And it's really, really funny. And I think seeing it visually is so powerful because it points out the subtleties we might miss in our everyday lives. Another short film that does a really great job of highlighting this is a French film called The Oppressed Majority, which I'm going to put a link to on howbitchesaremade.com so you can check it out. And I strongly encourage that you do. It's an 11-minute movie that really captures what life would be like with the shoe on the other foot. And you can very vividly see what women have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And for some reason, seeing men have to deal with it is more jarring. It's, it's crazy how desensitized we've become to it as a society. So like I said, I'm going to put it up on HowBitchesAreMade.com. Be sure to check that out. I'm still learning every day to vocalize my wants and needs, and I am getting more comfortable saying no. And I am trying my best to follow in the footsteps of a man while honoring my life and the sanctity of being a woman, because I do love being a woman. And as I said last week, there are many great things about being a woman that I just don't want to give up, and nor should we. But one of the things that I do now, you might be surprised to know, is I pee outside. And I also enjoy peeing standing up. That might seem like, how the fuck does she do that? But believe me, I have found a way. And it's actually really comfortable and more sanitary. I love it, but it's really fucking freeing. I can't explain it to you. Peeing outside and standing up is really freeing, and I strongly encourage you do it. It was probably one of the first things I did to kind of, you know, walk in the shoes of a man, and it was really empowering for me in a very strange way. But now more than ever, I think it's really important to implement standards and start shifting the landscape of society by doing so. So here's the thing about nowadays. We're doing our best to get rid of traditional gender roles and are finding a lot of empowerment in this newest women's movement. But there's a downside to all of it too, and I want to talk about that a little bit. So in fighting for equality, I feel like we've taken on more of the responsibility, yet we're still not assigning much accountability. In fact. A lot of times women are angered by traditional acts of chivalry. So now we're already raising boys and holding them to a lower standard. But now we're adding even more to our plates while giving them even less responsibility. And then we're letting something precious fall at the wayside. I really think that we should be able to have equality and opportunity and our rights, of course, but without having to forfeit our femininity. That's why I feel like we're in this mess of feeling like there aren't any real men or women out there left to date. Everyone needs to unlearn and relearn to accommodate for our modern times while implementing some of the traditions that, in my opinion, really worked in the past. For instance, men need to earn things. They do. They need to feel like they worked hard and got a reward. It's the whole, why buy the milk when you can get the cow for free? Look, people are moving in together nowadays before they get married. People are sleeping together before they get married. I am certainly not suggesting that you wait to have sex until you get married because I fully believe you should test drive the vehicle before you purchase it. But what I am saying is if men are getting everything that they want and we're not giving them anything to work for, we're not withholding anything – We're just left with the brunt of the load. Meanwhile, they're not being held accountable. They don't have as much responsibility. They don't have as much pressure. And they're getting what they want with no strings attached. It just, it's not a balanced dynamic that, in my experience, is working very effectively, at least for me. And you can really see that in the story. Here I am bending over backwards for this guy who doesn't owe me anything i'm not holding anything over his head there's no carrot dangling he's just living his life being selfish doing him using me until he decides meh you know what now i'm gonna go be famous and i'm gonna have more chicks to bang that are better than you so i'm just gonna cut you loose i mean do you know how shitty i felt after that but look we go back to now what i talked about in episode three which is we can't control other people, we can only control ourselves. So once again, everything comes back to implementing standards and boundaries and making sure that we're holding people accountable. So here's how I was accountable. I have notoriously dated inappropriate men thinking that they were marriage material. If you find yourself relating to that statement, I'm going to give you some real quick tips on how to recognize when a guy is not serious dating material. Tip number one, if his towels smell like mildew. If you don't know how to fucking do laundry... You're not ready to be in a relationship. I remember calling my dad after this happened with like two or three different guys. And I said to him, I was like, dad, you know, my new standard is if a guy's towel smells like mildew, I'm just, that's it. It's over. It's done. Because that tells me he's not self-sufficient. If he can't take care of himself, how the fuck do I expect him to take care of me? He won't. He will expect me to take care of him. No. Number two, he's naked all the time. Oh, we all love being naked, but my God, put some fucking clothes on, especially because if you're a man, a straight man listening, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Lingerie is to you what a man in a suit is to women. We want you fully clothed because then we get to fucking rip you open like a goddamn Christmas gift. Ugh, it's the best. Number three, his mattress doesn't have a box spring. If a dude doesn't have furniture, he's not an adult, okay? And a lot of times... What a guy's living situation is or looks like is what is going on in his head. It's a direct mirror. So if a guy has, like, shit everywhere, he's got shit everywhere in his head. He doesn't have a shit together. Number four, five, I can't count. He defers to his mother for everything. Look, we all want a guy that's got a great relationship with his mother. But cut the cord at some point, you know? Be a grown man. Don't rely on her to do everything for you. Because here's what, if he's that close with his mother, that's his girlfriend. He doesn't have room for another one. And you should also really be paying attention to the relationship a guy has with his father. I know what they say about girls with daddy issues, but let me tell you something— Guys with daddy issues are way the fuck worse. And then the last thing is he can't return a text. Sorry, guys. Like, if he is on Instagram or tweeting or Facebooking or Marco Poloing, I don't know what all these fucking apps are now. Like, he should be able to return a text. And if he's not, you're not a priority or dating's not a priority for him. And words, if you hear them say words like, I'm enjoying being single and I want to keep this casual, or you're so cool, you're so chill, you're just so easy and fun, fucking run. That's, of course, if you're looking for a relationship. If you're looking for casual sex or a good time, then none of what I'm saying matters. These are the guys for you. Um, so those are just some tips I felt like sharing with you. Uh, those are characteristics of a fuck toy or a fuck buddy or just someone you use for a good time. Now, if you want to help men evolve away from that whole fuck boy lifestyle, <laughs> then we need to start a shift Again, we can only control ourselves. So if we find ourselves trying to have relationships with these guys who clearly don't want to be in a relationship or don't know how to be in a relationship, then we need to respect that and leave because upholding our standards and boundaries is going to then inflict change within them. If every girl that they date is holding them to a higher standard, they're not going to have anyone to date. So they're going to be forced to change. So that's what I mean when I say this. If we start the shift, men will be forced to take a look at themselves and their behavior and change. And if you're with somebody that you actually like and you are in a great relationship and they do something that you don't like and it's early on especially, you need to say something... I don't like anything up my ass. Sorry. I just don't. Not for me. No judgment on anyone that does. But that is not for me. And when you try to do something like that without having a conversation about it first, that is such a sign of disrespect. My body is not your body. Even if we're married, my body is not your body. That is a huge red flag, and that shit should be shut down right away. Again, guys are raised to believe they can do anything they want. It's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. No, 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 no. You better fucking ask for permission. And girls, it's your responsibility to make sure that you are holding them accountable to doing that, especially when it comes to your body. Your body, your rights. It's important to remember that when you start speaking your truth— you will end up finding better men to date. You'll weed out all the shitty ones that make you feel bad about yourself and you'll start attracting the ones that make you feel really good. You'll also avoid building resentment and thus avoid being called a psycho later when you explode because you were upset you didn't get what you want. Now, when it comes to actually raising children, I have a huge favor to ask. And I plan on doing this when I have my own kids someday. Please don't raise your boy to be the man that never loved you. We are primarily the ones that are still doing the child-rearing, and I think, like, this is such a big mistake I've seen a lot of my friends do out here. Like, just don't let them get away with so much shit when they're little. Like, who gives a fuck if your kids don't like you? As we talked about in episode two, I was terrified of my mother. And guess what? I have the most respect for her now as an adult, and I think I turned out pretty fucking great because of how scary she was. You're not supposed to be your kid's friend. You're supposed to be your kid's parent. And you really need to pay attention to how you're raising your daughters and how you're raising your son and do your best to raise them equally. Again, this is not all a woman's responsibility, but as we learned in episode three, you can only control things on your end. So we need the awareness to know what doesn't work for you or make you feel good and the confidence to walk away when it's not working. I know it can be really hard to walk away from someone that you see potential in, that you enjoy spending time with, that you have great chemistry with. The sex is good. The physical aspects are all there. I know it's really hard, primarily because we're worried we won't find anybody better. But I promise you, you'll find someone way fucking better. You will. It might take a little longer and have a little more work, but you will. And you have to remember, you're the prize, not them. Something that I do that really helps me is I create playlists, motivational playlists. My, my latest one is called I'm the Shit, and I listen to it every day, and guess what? I start to believe that I really am the shit, and I walk around really confident, and I think that that is a really helpful tool. Music is very motivating. That's why we listen to it when we're at the gym, so why not listen to it to kind of build up and work out your confidence, right? I also make lists of what I have to offer to remind myself of why I'm the prize. A lot of times in my head, I'll notice that I start building these guys up on a pedestal And I'm not doing that for me. So that's something I've tried to be very conscious of is building myself up on a pedestal. Not to the point of where my ego is so inflated, I'm not humble at all or grounded in reality. But I really try to be aware of what I have to offer, what my value is, so that I am really analyzing and giving people a litmus test of whether or not they deserve me and my time. Because they should deserve you and your time. That's part of the whole guys work for things and then they get the reward. They like that. And honestly, girls, the control feels pretty fucking awesome. Don't be an emotional slut. They have to earn you. And you need to remember that you don't want to need them. You want to want them. Be clear on what you want and what you want them for. This is kind of like the pain versus pleasure metric system that Tony Robbins came up with. This is why I can't have sex casually, honestly. I just know it's it's not something that I'm in control of because my pain in having sex with someone and never hearing from them again or feeling used outweighs the pleasure I feel from sleeping with them. I know this about myself, so I just don't sleep with people that I'm not in a relationship with anymore. I'm trying not to. <laughs> It's something I'm very conscious of. But if you can get in touch with your own pain versus pleasure metric system, that can really be a helpful tool for you as well. Finally, I would say live your life like a mediocre white man. Ask for what you want and leave if they're not willing to give it to you. Acknowledge bad behavior. That's behavior you don't like and that doesn't work for you. It's not always easy to call out bad behavior. Sometimes we won't know what bothers us until it's the first time we're experiencing it. Sometimes we won't know what to say or do until the moment has passed. So how do we manage that? Well, next week we're going to explore that idea in a new story titled Tongue Tied and Pussy Grabbed. Be sure to join us next week for that. That's it for this episode. As always, you can stay connected to this podcast and How Bitches Are Made by visiting our website, HowBitchesAreMade.com. We encourage you to join our community there and across our social media platforms as well, Instagram and Facebook, where at How Bitches Are Made and on Twitter at Habamtweets. For more stories like the one you've heard today, listen to our other episodes of this podcast or read blogs you won't hear here on our website. If you'd like to see what I'm up to in my day to day, follow me at the Rachel Melvin across all platforms. Thank you for joining us, and remember consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin.